Hey guys, it's Dr. Delvina, board certified psychiatrist in South Florida. Are you ready to take the couch? Hey guys, it's Dr. Delvina. Are you ready to take the couch? Hey, 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 guys. It's another Sunday night. It's time for another episode of the Brain Love Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Delvina, a board-certified psychiatrist in South Florida, and every Sunday night at 8 p.m., I post a new episode talking about the brain. It includes specific topics like depression, stress, um, racism, and the effects it has on us. Uh, alcoholism, substance abuse, opioid use disorder, all types of things. But also, I don't leave out the basic things like emotions and feelings and things like relationships and sex. And, you know, these are the things that we take for granted, but a lot of people struggle with these topics I was riding in my car today and I was thinking, I was so in tune with my emotions when I was a little girl. I would hear certain songs and certain songs would make me cry. They would make me feel a certain type of way. And I have no idea why, because I could not identify with what was being said in the song, but it would just be a sad song. One of those songs... um, is Phyllis Hyman, Confusion. Um, another song is Diane Reeves. Another, well, that was that's the name of an, of an artist. Um, I'll get you the name of the song, but it's a, a song by Diane Reeves, and it came out when I was in junior high school. I think I was uh, in middle school. She's an American jazz singer, and... Um, She made this song, Better Days, in 1982, man. And I used to cry every freaking time I heard this damn song. It would just, like, bring tears to my face. Another song is um, George Michael's Let Me Go. Um, Man, I think that's what it was called. I can't sing. I want to sing it to you so you know what it is. But I think it was by George Michael. I don't think it was Wham. um, Because, you know, George Michael was a part of the group. George Michael, pardon me. He was a part of the group Wham. It, um, One More Try is what it was, is the name of the song, I believe. One More Try. So these songs used to bring, like, tears to my eyes when I was a little girl, and I never understood why. But maybe it's because I was always meant to be a brain specialist, a mental health specialist, man. It was always meant for me. And I say it was meant for me because you have to have a special type of disposition to deal with the people who come to you for mental health challenges because, listen, We don't just get straightforward cases. We don't just get people who are suffering from depression or anxiety. We get people who are suffering from all gamuts of mental illnesses, including liars. (laughs) Lying is a mental illness. Um, 
people who are addicted to things like Adderall and clonazepam and Xanax. And oftentimes these people don't know they're addicted and they get angry with you when you try to help them or when you set boundaries and tell them no, they get so angry. They get so angry, sometimes they say things that aren't true. Like they conjure and make up stuff about your staff, you know, about my admin staff, about my clinicians. It's a hard business to be in, man. And we get people who have personality disorders. If you don't know what I mean by a personality disorder, Check out my YouTube channel. I talk about narcissism on there. That's a personality disorder. Sometimes folks have traits that are a part of a personality disorder, but it doesn't rise high enough or rise to the level to qualify to be a personality disorder. But anyway, listen, October is Breast Cancer Awareness Month, and um I, I participate in a lot of groups. One of the groups I participate in really heavy is the Miami-Dade Chamber of Commerce. It is the Black Chamber of Commerce in Dade County. My office, my main office is in Broward County in Fort Lauderdale, but I also have a little satellite office in Aventura, which is in Dade County. So I'm a member of the Dade County Chamber, Miami-Dade County Chamber, as well as the Broward County Chamber. So anyhow, um, for the Miami-Dade Chamber of Commerce, I'm the chairperson for the Health and Wellness Committee. And one of the things that we're working on for the month of October is um, a special on breast cancer awareness and alternative interventions when it comes to mental health and wellness. And I want you to check out an interview I did with a young lady by the name of Camille Bell. I'll never forget this, this woman's name, man. She's so special. I met her because Ingrid B., told me about her. Ingrid B. is the owner of On the B-Side. If you don't know who she is, just Google Ingrid B. I-N-G-R-I-D space the letter B as in Bravo. She's on Instagram and Facebook and stuff, and she has an app as well. Um, check her out. Her app is called On the B-Side. Go in your app store and, and download it. But anyhow, she told me about Camille Bell. Camille has been suffering from breast cancer since 2018. And her breast cancer metastasized and metastasized. And so for folks who are familiar with cancer, that can be a very, very bad sign. But I'm going to let Camille tell her story. I thought it was important um, because she really does express how she felt when she learned that she had breast cancer. She felt a, a nodule in her breast, and it was biopsied, and it came back as malignancy, as a cancer. Um, and for every man and woman, because we all have breasts, right, a man can get breast cancer too. So if you think that being a man you can't get breast cancer, you're wrong. Be sure that you're checking your chest, your breast as well. Check. Check for lumps. I remember sometime in 2011 or 12, I felt a lump in my right breast and the outer quadrant, meaning closer to, like, my underarm. And um, it's frightening when you feel that. And I went, um, had a mammogram, had an ultrasound. They did a biopsy, and they, they excised it. They removed it. And thank God it came back as benign. 
But um, to all the breast cancer survivors and fighters out here, man, you are all in my prayers. All the cancer fighters and survivors, you are all in my prayers. You guys, check out this interview with Camille Bell, please. And keep these people in your prayers, in your thoughts. Think about them. Morning, Ms. Camille Bell. Thank you so much for joining me for this interview. We are uh, pre-recording because I understand you have been busy these days surviving. Yeah. And the Miami-Dade Chamber of Commerce is so appreciative that you are doing this interview with us. Um, as I explained previously, I'm the chairperson for the Health and Wellness Committee. And we wanted to do something during the month of October discussing breast cancer, because as everyone is aware, October is National Breast Cancer Awareness Month. And so it's not the only time to talk about breast cancer, and especially for, for Black women. October is not the only time. We have to always have these running dialogues, these conversations. And so, um, again, I'm just grateful that you're able to spare some of your time and, um, and you're joining us this morning. How are you today? I'm actually feeling great today. <laughs> I am not exhausted like I'm usually, um, but this is my off week of doing chemotherapy. Um, I normally do it uh, two weeks on and one week off. So this is my off week and I'm feeling good and great. Um, I start back up on Tuesday. Mm -hmm. Okay. So um, how long have you been doing the chemo treatment? This is my second go round of chemo. Um, it's only been two sessions, but um, when I was first diagnosed in 2018, I did about, uh, I did like five months of chemo um, back in 2018. I have done radiation twice as well um, because what it is, is it's breast cancer that keeps metastasizing throughout my body. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, I want you to tell us your, your story, if you don't mind. Is that okay? Mm -hmm. That's right. Um, before you do that, I just want to give folks um, just a little background information, the latest Breast cancer statistics, 2021. This comes from the Breast Cancer Breast, Breast Cancer Foundation Incorporated. One in eight women will be diagnosed with breast cancer in her lifetime. That comes from cancer.org. 63% um, of breast cancer cases are diagnosed at a localized stage, meaning in the breast, for which there is a five-year survival rate of 99%. Um, I mentioned something about Black women and breast cancer. And the reason why I mentioned this is because African-American women have a 31% breast cancer mortality rate, death rate, which is the highest of any U.S. racial or ethnic group. Among women younger than 45, breast cancer incidence is higher among African-American women than white women. So women younger than 45, African-American women younger than 45, have a higher incidence, incident rate of breast cancer than white women. So we have to be very conscious and very aware of our bodies 
We have to know when to go in and get that mammogram. We have to learn early to do self-breast examinations. We have to see our doctors, our primary care doctors, and our gynecologist. And so um, in hopes that we'll catch it early. So Camille, if you don't mind, if you, how old are you? Let's start with that first. I am 41. Okay. And so when were you diagnosed with breast cancer for the first time? Um, it was in 2018, uh, May 24th, the day before my birthday, wow. um, my 38th birthday. Um, I would like to say and would like to mention that I'm kind of a hypochondriac, but like you said, women should, you know, do self-examinations from an early age. The moment you have breasts, you should be checking, you know, moms, teach your daughters, you know, young adults, don't be scared about, you know, checking yourself or if anything, you feel like any, something's wrong, going to your doctor and discussing what's going on. Because for me, um, because I know my body, it was, I was getting ready for work and I pulled my shirt. It, it's like, it came out of nowhere. I pulled my shirt over my, my, my head and I, my arm brushed up against my breast and I felt a lump. I felt something strange. So, so, so it was an incidental finding for you. Yes. So, um, I, you know, did the exam and I went to my sister and I was like, feel this. And then I went to my then fiance. I was like, feel this, you know? So I ended up immediately making an appointment with my primary. And um, she sent me to go get uh, a ultrasound and a breast exam. I mean, a mammogram? Yes. And I did that at this time. I did not have health insurance. Because the year before, I was like, I don't need this because I'm not, you know, I'm healthy. I'm, mm -hmm. you know, so I did not have health insurance. So I had to pay out of pocket for my ultrasound and mammogram. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Wait a minute. <laughs> this was in 2018? Yes. And at the time, no one told you that there are agencies who do free mammograms and free ultrasounds? No. And your primary care doctor didn't know about that either? She did not mention that to me. Oh my gosh. Okay. So, I want to back up for a second. I'm sorry. Tell us, what did you feel? So your, your arm brushed against your breast. You felt something unusual. And then you examined it yourself. It was a lump. It felt like a little pebble, you know, not even a pebble, a rock, like that size. And I felt it and I've never felt it before. So of course I was nervous because I'm like, what is this? Is it cancer? Mm -hmm. What's going on? So went to my uh, primary. Camille, I'm sorry. I have questions about that still. So it was hard. You felt, you said it was like size of a quarter, it seems like, a little, well, more like a dollar, a silver dollar, a large hard rock. Was it movable? Yes. So you could move I it? I could move it, yes. Was it painful? No. Okay. Okay. 
and you your arm brushed against it so it must have been towards the surface of your breast it, yeah. it must have been close to the surface it was right there it was right there like you could just rub, do like this and you can feel it so the last time you let's say prior to filling that can you recall when you had done a, a breast exam last prior to filling that lump months before okay and, um, but you, were you doing regular breast examinations? Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. So it, it popped up in a matter of months. Like, it's like when you know something's going to happen or um, for women, we know when our menstrual cycle is coming before it comes, it was mm -hmm. like that you be in the shower and you'd be like, hmm, I haven't done this in a minute. So let me go ahead and check, you know, um, but that was months prior. So it was not there. It, like I said, it came out of nowhere. <laughs> um, so you had to pay for the mammogram and ultrasound out of pocket. You said. This was in May. My birthday is in May. That's mm -hmm. also women's um, health month or the week that they do, you know, celebrate that. Um, so Memorial was giving a discount on mammograms and ultrasounds. So this is why I was able to pay for okay. these um, procedures. So went and did that. Um, they did also a biopsy and the biopsy paid out of pocket as well. Mm -hmm. And um, when they did the biopsy, they told me that I needed to get, no, I think I did the mammogram and ultrasound and they told me to get the biopsy. So I was like, well, how much is the biopsy? And they was like, you need to get insurance. <laughs> and I was like, huh, okay. So this is not a pay out of pocket thing. And um, I, it still ended up paying out of pocket because the biopsy itself was like a thousand, a little over a thousand dollars. And I was able to pay 10% of that up front and then um, was able to get the biopsy. Um, after the biopsy, that's where they determined that I had cancer. Of course, hearing those words is devastating, um, heartbreaking, you know, and you start thinking of everything, like, is this a death sentence? Is like my, I have children, I have a six-year-old daughter and a 14-year-old son. At that time, they were much younger, but you know, um, it's devastating <laughs> to say the least. So once um, they determined I had to now see an oncologist <laughs> and that's when I had to get the insurance. So I was able to get insurance through, I, I'm a hairstylist and uh, one of my clients, she was like, I can get you insurance. She was like, I don't want to know what your, um, what the problem is. I don't want to know just mm -hmm. your information and we're going to get you some insurance. And I was like, okay, boom. So once I finally got my insurance, I was able to speak to the hospital's navigator and she was the one who, you know, set up all my appointments and told me who I needed to see and da-da-da-da-da. Um, I then met my oncologist 
And during that time before meeting my oncologist, my team was being built. <laughs> um, like my mom, my sisters, my cousins, my friends, mm-hmm. new friends that I didn't even have before this, you know. So my first appointment with my oncologist, the room was filled with people. But they allowed it because, you know, during this time you are going through a lot. So yeah, they allowed, need that support. That support. So they allowed my team, team mm-hmm. Millie, <laughs> to come in and support me. Um, those first few appointments were very, very um, hard because before they could even determine any, like the staging and everything, I had to get a PET scan. Mm-hmm. That PET scan showed that it was in the breast, but it was also in my spine. Which then it was like I just kept getting punched, <laughs> you know. It was like blow after blow, and I it really it was hard. So they told me that I would have to after chemotherapy, I would have to do radiation, mm-hmm. and I was just like, oh, more chemicals. <laughs> That's what I was thinking. More yeah. exposure to this poison, you know. Um, so I went through chemotherapy, um, I stopped, before I started chemotherapy, my aunt treated me to a hotel and spa, you know, weekend. So that morning of, um, chemotherapy, I was leaving the hotel and going straight to a hospital to go get injected, you know, so Chemotherapy in the beginning, the first two months was very hard because it was the heavier, the more stronger chemotherapy. And it was like two different types of chemotherapy that I had to take. Um, Those days were horrible. And it was just like now where it was like two weeks on, a week off. And, um, but then after that two months then I became um that then I was given a lighter chemotherapy tell tell us tell us why you say those days were horrible because for some people who may be listening who've never you know been around a person who has undergone chemo never known someone who's had cancer or whether it be breast cancer or another cancer what made it horrible you immediately felt weak like right after chemotherapy, um, there was nosh. I was nauseous. Um, I felt weak, like walking around my house. I really couldn't, I needed help. Um, there's the constipation. There's mouth sores <laughs> that you have to have a special uh, mouthwash for. Um, you, I was just exhausted. Like I couldn't, I'm a, I'm busybody, you know, I'm always on the go. And for me to can't do anything, can't 
make breakfast for my kids. I can't take them to school. I can't do these things. Um, it was, it was, it wasn't good for me. It was not good for me at all. Um, I think the worst for me was just the exhaustion and the mouth sores. <laughs> the mouth sores were, cause then with the mouth sores, you can't eat. Mm-hmm. You're basically on a, a liquid diet. Then you lose weight. Like now I've lost so much weight. I, I weigh as much as I did when I was in high school. And like I told you earlier, I'm 41 years old. So mm-hmm. it, it's strange looking at myself. Like sometimes I don't ever recognize myself in the mirror. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's how it was with the chemo. Um, but then, like I said, I got a, a less powerful chemo later on. However, it caused this thing called neuropathy, which is like, uh, for me, it felt like ants were attacking my hands and feet, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and like they were just constantly biting. So I, it was a lot of crying, a lot of pain, a lot of agony. And at some point I told the doctor, I was like, I can't do this. I can't, I cannot do this because this is excruciating. Like I, I hate it. So they changed my chemo again. But that chemotherapy was causing my white blood cells to go down low. Then I ended up having to have a blood transfusion because my energy level was just in, um, it was horrible. <laughs> it was well, I, horrible. I, I know we don't have that much time. Um, I told you I wasn't gonna keep you long. So you, so that you're describing your first, your first um, fight in 2018 when you were first diagnosed, you got through the chemo, you had radiation. I'm sure you had a a double mastectomy as well. Okay. I'm flat now. Mm -hmm. I did not want to get the reconstruction. It just wasn't something that I wanted to do. Um, Mm -hmm. Even though they tried to push that on me. Um, even with my, my surgery, I wanted to be flat. Like I wanted the flat closure, but I still, they still left skin in case I changed my mind But because I do not enjoy surgeries. The skin is still there. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Gotcha. So, um, how much time passed before you learned again that you, had some recurrence of the cancer or there was additional metastases? After my double mastectomy, I think it was maybe like nine months and I had uh, nodules in my brain, uh, my liver and um, my lungs. So I ended up getting radiation for my brain and they, I was on medication called Imparza, and that was a daily pill. And then now, six months later, they find a, a tumor in my lung, and I have different nodules. So the nodules that I had before, they are gone, but mm-hmm. now I have more. That's prepared. Yeah. So... Currently, I am now, I'm not on the chemo pill anymore. I'm just getting chemotherapy. I did get radiation on my lung 
um, during the summer. And now I'm going, I'm undergoing chemotherapy again. What makes you keep going? My children, <laughs> me just wanting to live. I have too much to do that um, I haven't done yet, but my, my kids as well. What are their ages again? 14? Uh, my daughter is six and my son is 14. Got it. Mm -hmm. Okay. What advice would you give to people, family members and friends of, uh, of a person going through a similar challenge as you, breast cancer or any other cancer? Um, meet them where they are. Meet that person, the patient, that cancer. Um, meet them where they are. Because for me, I was one of those, let's go what we got to do, you know, I was very positive and, you know, but there was a point where I was in a dark place. Mm -hmm. it, they found the nodules in my, my, my brain. You have to meet them where they are and continue to support them. Just find out what it is that they need. Like for me now, I tell people, don't text me, just call because texting, thinking about things and it's too much for me. You know, um, just ask them what they need, mm -hmm. what it is that you need, because it may not be a lot and it may just be, I just need a hug today, you know, and just meet them where they are, meet them where they are and just support. Yeah. Did you consider and... I hope you don't mind my asking this question. I don't know if you know or not, but I'm a psychiatrist. Therapy, yes. Yeah. I, I've gone to therapy. I, I'm, a, I'm big on therapy. So I'm actually looking for a new one, so. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but, um, but yes, therapy, yeah. Even for my, my, my son, um, because he's a, he's a teenager, you know, and they tend to hide their feelings. You know, so I make sure that he gets that out. You know, yeah, he has a counselor at school and I'm currently looking for a therapist for him outside of school. Yeah. We will definitely talk. We will mm -hmm. definitely talk. Mm -hmm. So if we could do something for you, people watching the Miami Day Chamber, my office, if we could do something for you, what how can we help you and your family? First and foremost, pray. <laughs> pray for us. I've been praying during this session. Pray for us. Pray for me. Pray for complete healing. You know, um, but I have not worked since June. Um, like I said earlier, I'm a hairdresser. Um, so I do collect disability and, you know, little government, you know, the Biden child tax act or whatever, but it's still not enough because I don't I don't know how the government calculates these things, but it's still not enough. Um, financially, I am needing help. Um, yeah, that's that's basically it because like my sisters came this week. 
to help me out. Like I told my sister, I said, you're my hands and my energy for this week, you know? Um, but that's, that's basically it. It's financial and praying. Yeah. All right. Thank you so much. And for those watching, please, please, specific prayers, please convey specific prayers for Camille Bell um, on behalf of her, her family, her children, her 14-year-old son, her six-year-old daughter, her family, her sisters, all of the people in her circle who are helping to lift her up and keep her strong and give her energy on those days when she is lacking energy due to all of the treatment she has had to undergo. Uh, I really appreciate you coming on here to share your story for the Miami-Dade Chamber of Commerce. And thank you guys for choosing me. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, you know, Ingrid B, she knows so many people. Yeah. And um, we interviewed her for 99 Jams and she mentioned you and the survivor, the Survivors Social event that's coming up. So um, I'm glad that she connected us. Yes, I thank her. She, I appreciate her. She, I've known her for so long and she's always, she's always there for the people that she cares about. Her family that is not blood, mm -hmm. but we are still family. Like I'm her little sister. <laughs> That's right, shout out to Ingrid B. Now, for people who may want to reach out to you, is there, do you want to give an email address or a phone number? Email address. Um, it's M-S Camille, C-A-M-I-L-L-E-B as in boy at gmail.com. Um, my Instagram is Bell the Braider underscore. And um, yeah, I can give my phone number as well, you know. I might not answer all the calls because you know we look at phone numbers and be like, uh, "Who is that?" Right. Yeah. I'm not gonna give my phone number because I might not answer all the calls. You don't have to give your phone number. The email address was enough. Thank you. All right, guys. We have more for you. Stand by. So, guys. This is the end of another episode of the Brain Love Podcast. And before we get out of here, I decided to pull up one of these songs that I referenced at the beginning that used to make me cry when I was a little girl. This song came out in 1982, but I don't think I heard this song until I was in the sixth grade, which was more like 86, 87. So it's by Diane Reeves and it's called Better Days. Thank you for joining me tonight. Thank you for listening to Camille Bell and talk about her breast cancer survival story. Again, please keep her lifted in prayer, her children, her 14-year-old son, her six-year-old daughter. Please, please, please lift them in prayer, their family. If you want to donate to Camille, she gave you her email address during the interview. Please feel free to email her. Email Camille and um, cash app her or, you know, send her a Zelle. Send her something. Oh, y'all, we got to look out for one another. We do. 
I don't know. I'm feeling kind of emotional tonight. But anyhow, I won't keep you much longer. I appreciate your ear. I always tell you guys I appreciate the follow. I appreciate the listenership. If you haven't subscribed to my podcast already, please, please, please subscribe. If you're not subscribed to my YouTube channel, please subscribe to Dr. Delvina Thomas. I'm trying to do bigger and better things, man, and I need your support. Thank you so much, guys. Good night. So, guys, I just wanted to remind you about ways to follow me because they have changed. Facebook has not been kind to me. The ways have changed. So I am still on Instagram as Dr. Delvina, D-R-D as in Delta, E-L, V as in Victor, E-N-A. I no longer have a Twitter for Dr. Delvina, and I no longer have a professional Facebook page for Dr. Delvina as Twitter actually unpublished my page some months ago because of some sort of infringement rights. And Facebook unpublished my page because of a picture I posted in my story. So you can please follow me on Facebook at The Brain Love Podcast. The Brain Love Podcast is on Facebook. There's a Facebook page for it. And on Twitter, you can follow my office, DRT Brain Love. So, um, yeah, that's how you can follow me. And, of course, I'm on YouTube Dr. Delvina Thomas, you just type in DR and then Delvina Thomas. Again, D as in Delta, E L, V as in Victor, E N A, T H O M A S, spelled the slave way. And uh, my website is drdelvina.help. So DR, Delvina, dot H E L P. And feel free to send me an email if you have any questions regarding an episode or if you want me to talk about a, a specific topic or subject. Email me at info, I-N-F-O, at Dr. Delvina, doctor is abbreviated, D-R-D-E-L-V-E-N-A dot help, H-E-L-P. All right, guys, remember, brain love. It's the end of an episode. Thank you guys for joining me on my couch. It's been a pleasure. It's Dr. Delvina. Remember, every day you must have brain love. Balance. You can't have all work and no play, and you can't have all play and no work. Reframe. Reframe your negative thinking. Think positively. Avoid negative people. Inside, everything you need, it's inside of you. Look inside yourself needs know your needs your needs come first not everyone else's limitations limit your expectations of yourself ownership own your mistakes learn from them and move on vengeance is not yours it's the lord's express yourself every day meaningful communication don't go to bed angry and that's been my show guys brain love